Seeing the, uh, seeing the kids up here with Matt reminds, reminds me of a, of a great children's message moment from the past. The kids were gathered up front like today, and the uh, pastor had a wonderful children's message planned, and the, and the sanctuary was decorated. There were flowers and, and white cloth, and he, he was all ready. And so he asked the kids, he's like, look around the sanctuary. What do you see that is different today? And he, he was ready. He was going to talk about what the white cloth meant and the, and the eggs that were around and the, and the flowers. And the kids were shy at first as they can be. And so he asked one more time. He's like, look around. What do you see that's different today? And the second time he asked, one little boy was out of his shell. Now he's like, I know, I know. It's full of people. <laughs> full of people. The kid was right, right? On Easter Sunday, the sanctuary is, is full of people and we, and we celebrate. Here we are in a sanctuary more full of people. Why? Why is it more full of people? Well, there, there's another fun Easter story about a woman. She was on her way to Easter service one morning and she went out to the, her car and it wouldn't start. And, uh, and she didn't want to miss service, so she called an Uber. And the Uber driver came and, and picked her up. There's a message in that too, by the way, about getting to church no matter what. But uh, uh, she, uh, she, she got in the back seat of the car and they, they took off and, and they were driving and the driver took a turn that was not one that she would have made. And so just to be sure, she, she, uh, she said to the driver, she's like, are you sure you've got the right church and the right address in there? And the driver, he didn't move. He didn't, didn't seem to, to flinch at all. And so she thought, well, maybe he didn't hear me. And so she took a hand and she just tapped him on the shoulder. Well, as soon as she touched his shoulder, he jerked up, jumped out of his seat, screamed, almost hit another car, and then swerved over to the side of the road and, and stopped abruptly. And there they sat for a couple minutes in silence. Finally, the woman said, I'm so sorry, I startled you. I, I, I didn't, didn't realize that, that I'd alarm you like that. And the, the driver said, oh, no, 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 this is not your fault at all. Uh, today is my first day driving for Uber. Before that, I drove a hearse for 25 years for a funeral home. No one has ever sat up and tapped me before. We are here today as witnesses to something surprising and miraculous and beyond our understanding. We're here today to be startled out of our routines, to claim the unexpected, to believe in, in something more than what we can see. We're here today to recognize that when Jesus stepped out of that grave... When death was overcome by God's power, everything changed. And to realize that encountering this truth changes us, changes how we live and, and how we approach the, the world around us. Today, we're here to celebrate resurrection. Thank you, Matt. Let's pray. Holy God, holy God, we give thanks for the opportunity to be together today. And I, I, just, I just pray that you open, open our minds and our hearts to encounter you today. 
open our minds, to, to widen our faith in this good news today. Open our souls to deepen our knowledge and relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over the last few weeks here at Clay Church, we've been examining encounters with Jesus in Matthew's gospel, and it seems only fitting on this Easter Sunday to examine the encounter of the, of the two Marys, the story that you heard read and, and that Matt talked about today. The story is extraordinary, right? It's got an earthquake, and it's got a, a, a stone that rolls away, and it's got a messenger of God sitting, sitting on the rock of the tomb. But in all of that extraordinary, I just want to invite us today to pay attention to something else that's kind of, it's kind of simple, a somewhat simple invitation. The angel said to the, to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him now, I have told you. And all that wonder, there's just this, I think, this simple invitation we might see in here today. Come and see. Go quickly and tell. We can imagine the Marys. Matt invited us to imagine the Marys that morning. They're coming to the tomb. They're crushed. Right? All this hope that they, they found and they saw in Jesus, and it, it has to just feel like they were, they were crushed. They were sad. They weren't sure what they were going to find. They were uncertain. They were grieving. They were likely afraid. For all those of us who are afraid, for those of us who aren't sure what the future holds, for those of us who gather today and are, are grieving the loss of a loved one. The messenger of God says to the Marys, the messenger of God says, says to, to all of us, don't be afraid. Come and see. Come and see. Now, we don't have time machines. We can't get in a time machine and go back and, and, see, the, and see the empty tomb for ourselves, but, but that doesn't mean that we're not invited to see as God's people. An older widow was in the hospital in critical condition. Her family had been by her side for a couple days, taking turns, just keeping bedside watch as her health continued to deteriorate. Her grandson had been with her through the night, and morning came, and he was hungry, and so he went and got a bite to eat, and then he, then he came back to her bedside, when he came back in the room, his grandma was awake again. As soon as he walked in, she said, did you see your grandpa? And he said, no, grandma. I'm, do you not remember? Grandpa has passed away. Grandpa, grandpa died. And she said, no, he was right there while you were gone. He was sitting in that same chair where you are sitting. He said he'd wait until I was ready. About an hour later, she passed. 
joined her husband. A daughter was sitting with her mom in hospice care. Her mom hadn't eaten for a couple of days, and the family knew it was just going to be a a matter of time. She'd been with her mom constantly, sitting by the bedside. Finally, the nurses suggested to the daughter that maybe sometimes people need space to pass, and so why don't she just take a couple hours and get something to eat, clean up a little, and and then come back. They promised they would let her know if, if anything changed. The daughter left for a couple of hours and and then came back. Nothing had changed, and she sat down by her mom, and and she grabbed her hand, and her her mom, who had only a few few moments of consciousness, opened her eyes and looked at her daughter and said, oh, it's you. (laughs) Of course it's me, she responded, about to be a bit hurt that her mom seemed unexcited to see her there, was unaware that she'd been with her for like the last two or three days constantly. Jesus was here, her mom said, before she could even finish that thought. He said he'd be back soon and all would be well. And then she closed her eyes and in about 15 minutes she was gone. A family was called to the bedside of their dad, their, their grandpa, in the last stages of a battle with cancer. His wife had died just one year before, and they'd witnessed their dad just kind of lose the desire to keep fighting. His son and daughter were sitting in the room, and their dad had, had seemed to doze off, and then, and then he became conscious a, again, and he began having a quite clear conversation, only it wasn't with them. He talked about being ready, and he talked about dancing, and then just like that, he closed his eyes, and and he drifted back off to sleep. A few hours later, he woke back up, and the son asked him, he said, Dad, who who were you talking to when you woke up earlier? And his his dad didn't, didn't remember, but he knew he was supposed to pass along his love to his kids. A few hours later into that night, he past. You should know that these three stories are not stories that come from the internet. These are stories that I have been a direct witness to either with the family or sitting with the family after a loved one has passed away. These are stories that I've heard as we prepare to celebrate lives lived in love and in faith. And these stories are glimpses of this promise of life beyond what we know, of of life eternal. Not a full picture, just glimpses of the power of resurrection. They got it. (laughs) Come and see, Jesus says. How do we see? I think in addition to these kinds of glimpses, and we don't all get these kinds of glimpses, but in addition to these these kinds of glimpses, I think we experience the empty tomb in another way. We experience the empty tomb as we gather as the people of God and, and share our stories of where we see God showing up, of God's resurrection power. Spring is a wonderful time, right? Because we see it all around us in nature and in trees budding and in, in life bursting out of things that seem dead. 
But I think we also do it when we as a community gather on Sunday mornings and we share stories of where people are finding hope and the will to live and to go on, knowing that God's love is eternal. We come together and we hear these stories, stories of the Bible. We hold on to to stories of people who are holding on to hope no matter what the circumstances, and, and, and we find hope in even the darkest places together, and we get these glimpses of resurrection power. Come and see. The Hendersons are a family that have become part of our church community over the last year. As we've been reflecting on encounters with, with Jesus and encounters with God, they told us their story, and I'm so grateful, I feel so blessed that they agreed to, to share their story with, with us, with us today. As we hear this Easter invitation today to come and see, I just invite you to hear this story from, from the Hendersons. You going first or am I going first? <laughs> I'm Ashley. Drew. So we, Eleanor was not an easy baby and we thought we were one and done. And then he was finishing his master's degree. Yep. And we started talking about the idea of maybe when you're done with your master's degree, we would try for one more. It took one month. We got pregnant right away. Um, and I started spotting really quickly. And we thought- Like August was, or September? It was almost only five weeks along okay. when I first started spotting. So we thought typical miscarriage. They did an ultrasound, everything looked fine. Um, at 12 weeks exactly, I hemorrhaged was rushed to the emergency room and we thought that was the end of our journey. Put the Doppler on my stomach and there was hope, bouncing around, totally unaffected. And we were- Her name wasn't Hope yet. No, it wasn't. We didn't know she was her a girl. Was we, didn't, yeah, we called her Pepperoni. They were like, yeah, amazingly, she's fine. I was put on bed rest. And then at 15 weeks, um, I started leaking amniotic fluid. My waters had ruptured. They told us to terminate. Um, they basically, you know, medical opinion or, or recommendation, recommendation or... is that at that point it's no longer viable. You are at extreme risk for infection or sepsis or whatever. And then it would be in my best interest to terminate. Hope would, hope would be incompatible with life. Um, and we had a really high class ultrasound and that was the day we learned she was a girl. Um, and she still had a heartbeat. She still had a heartbeat, and we didn't. It was kind of one of those things where we felt like if there was a heartbeat, there was hope. And we left that day, and we had our name. Um, and so we, we clung to that. And, you know, God showed up in, I don't know, the most miraculous ways, like um, the ultrasound where we learned we even had the subchorionic tumor. Six weeks along, my mom went with us. We went down to the cafeteria and the, the verse of the day pinged on my phone and I opened it up and it was the, with man this is impossible, with, or with this is, what is it? Um, with Basically with God nothing is impossible. And that verse, uh, we actually have it uh, embroidered on a quilt um, for, for hope. It showed up in, it constantly was showing up in different places, different, different things that you weren't even looking for the signs and it was, undeniable. Um, 
we signed an AMA waiver. They, they were basically like, because I was choosing not to terminate, I was going against medical advice. And if I was going to leave, they basically told us to put towels in the nightstand drawer and wait to-, to Hopefully not bleed out. Yeah. I mean, every time, Thursdays was our hospital day, and we would go and I would do lab work to check for infection. They would check the fluid levels, which remarkably always stayed normal. I never, yeah, never really um, gripped or dropped. And every Thursday we'd go to the hospital and doctors would be shocked. Hope was born at 36 weeks and four days and never needed NICU time, never needed intervention. We took her home three days later. Uh, September 28th was when they told us she would be incompatible with life. February 28th is when we pulled into our driveway with perfect baby. So that was that was our pregnancy journey from beginning to end. Wild ride, so. And she's happy and generally healthy now, <laughs> but we've, we're still on the, the medical journey with her, but, but she's journey. alive to have a medical journey. Yeah, she would never walk, she would never talk, she would never, vegetative was the word used for us, you know, no quality of life. Um, She's clearly much more than that. If you've, if you've seen Hope, she's much more than that. What's your name? Hope. This is Hope. And what's your name? Eleanor. This is Eleanor. Come and see. God can do amazing things, can support us in ways we can't even imagine. Come and see, find the hope you need to carry on, to believe when all seems lost. The messenger of God says something else, though. Do not be afraid. Come and see that the tomb is empty. But then, go quickly and tell. Go. Matthew repeats this three times in the last chapter before the end of his account. Go and tell, go and hang out with others and show them this, this way that leads to life. Go. Every Sunday we gather as a, as a church, as a family, as people of God, not because it makes us feel good about ourselves or because it's the right thing to do, not because we have it all figured out. We don't. Every Sunday we, we gather as the people of God because sometimes it's hard to see that God's power extends beyond the grave. And so we gather to tell the story again and to tell of our own glimpses and to share it with each other. Sometimes we gather because it's hard to see what God is doing. Sometimes we find ourselves unsure and doubtful, and so we gather to hear God's word, to, to realize in the biblical story that others have struggled before us, but that God doesn't give up. God hasn't given up on us. We gather to remind each other every Sunday that the grave is empty, and Jesus is alive and active among us. We gather because when the stories we're living don't have the ending that we desire, when it all seems dark, the church community reminds us that God is still with us, that God's love extends beyond the grave. We gather to see and to tell. The women are told to go and tell the disciples 
Twice this happens. They're, they're, they're told to go and tell the disciples first by the messenger and then by Jesus. And there's another phrase each time, and it says, so that the disciples can see. Right? Why do we tell so that others can see and experience this good news? That's why the instruction to go and tell is so important. Right? We're invited to go as people who live with hope, to carry hope into a world that desperately needs to know it. We're invited to go and tell of our assurance that death doesn't have the final word life with God does to a world that sometimes thinks that death is winning. We're invited to go and tell others our story, to pick others up when they can't see, when they've lost that hope, to be hope for them. Come and see Go and tell. Would you say that with me? Come and see, go and tell. If you remember nothing else today, I hope you'll remember this invitation. Come and see, go and tell. Because that's what it's all about today as we celebrate the resurrection. We allow ourselves to be startled, to be blown away by something that seems impossible, not because we can fully understand it, but because the gift of faith allows us to claim it and to live by it. Today, we tell the story that God let evil and chaos and pride and greed and darkness and death do their worst in this story that we have lived through this week, but then... On Easter, God showed that his power, the power of his love and mercy, were greater than all of that. We come and see the truth of this story, and then we're invited to go and face the evil and the chaos and the darkness and the death and the greed and the darkness in our world, and we're invited to carry that mercy and love and overcome it with God's assistance. Come and see, go and tell. May you hear this invitation today. God's love knows no bounds. All you have to do to experience a love that overcomes death and darkness and hurt is say yes to accepting that love that Jesus offers Say yes and come and see. Maybe just a glimpse. Maybe just a reflection, but see that there is hope. Hope carried by this group of people, God's people, the, the church, who gather to celebrate that hope and that love. And when you say yes and, and you can't see it, come and join that community and lean into the story of others who can show that hope to you, that hope is there. And when you can see the empty tomb, make sure that you go and you tell and share that hope and that truth with others. Amen. Amen.